I mean, the very first thing I think of is just that I did get to a place where I feel like I was almost in a corner of, I have got to put my own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I got nothing. I've got mm-hmm. nothing in the tank. And so I, I began to create space for that, even if it meant other things, you know, like some friendships changed in that season because mm. I, I didn't, and we didn't as a family have capacity to be engaged and involved with some of our dearest friends at mm-hmm. the time we were just on a mission to get well. And yeah. when I first began this kind of path to wellness and healing, I was desperate. I was like at the end of what I, to me, what felt like the end. Once I tasted it, experienced it, received it, began practicing it, then I was like, I I just want more. So there's always going to be more. We're just, we're human. Welcome to the Living Centered Podcast, where we enter into honest conversations about pursuing a more centered life, rediscovering, reclaiming, and rooting in to who we truly are. I'm your host, Miles Edcox. I'm your host, Lindsay Nobles. And I'm your host, Mackenzie Boat. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Living Centered Podcast. You are in for a treat today. And I know that I say that all the time, but I mean it. This is just a really beautiful conversation. I'm so excited for you to get to meet my friend, Leith McHugh. Leith wears many hats. She's a connector, an inviter, a truth teller, a coach, a mom, a wife, and a friend, and as she shares, a proud on-site alumni. During this conversation, Leith joined Hannah and I to share a little bit about the journey that she and her family have been on for the last decade to find healing, recovery, and reconciliation after experiencing and operating an unthinkable crisis, chaos, and trauma. Y'all, they have all done their own work and come out on the other side, stronger and healthier. But as she shares, it didn't happen overnight. Leith became passionate about doing her own work. And as she shares, she has seen the ripple effects of healing in the lives of her son, Holden, now seven years sober, and her daughter, Avery, her relationship with her husband, Aaron, and the life of their family after the death of her daughter, Hadley. The personal exploration and emotional wellness work that Leith has done now trickles into the lives of those she gets to support and work with, including moms who have lost children and women in pursuit of living a vibrant and abundant life. We often say at OnSite that the best gift you can give the people around you is the healthiest version of you. And so today, as you're listening to this, I hope that that's what you take away. A little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement and a little spark to lean into the work of healing. I can't wait to see what the ripple effects are for the people around you. And without further ado, meet my friend, Leith. Leith, we're so excited to have you. I really can't express that enough of how excited I am to talk with you today. And I'm sure we'll get into your connection to OnSite and all of that. But I think I'd love to just start as a human. Who are you? Um, And what is bringing you joy in this season of your life? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, it is a major, major honor and privilege. I was telling my bestie that I was hopping on here today and she's like, what? She's been to onsite also. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'd forgotten to tell her about. So I, it's such a huge privilege. And I, let's see, I I would say our family, which we're going to get into all of that, um, Mm -hmm. is thriving today. And Mm -hmm. it is, oh, I make it emotional with you all because Onsite is the place where it all began, which offered our family life. Mm-hmm. And we we weren't sure we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today, each, all four of us, so our Hadley has passed away, which we'll probably end up talking about her. Um, but the other four of us are literally thriving. Everyone is doing work they love. Our relationships are intact. I mean, there's so much I could expand on, but... Our family's wellness right now is making me joyful every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, We've gotten to be together a lot lately. COVID landed us all together for a bit, and then we dispersed for a bit. And then holidays, we were home for about a month together again. And so um, we've gotten to be together a lot, and we're each other's favorite people to be with. And so just I just sometimes shake my head like, really? I I didn't know this was going to be possible. Yeah. 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 And I would say in addition to that, the work that I'm doing that was born out of the wellness that I pursued and that our family pursued is also totally jacking me up. Um, 
uh, yeah, there's a lot happening where I'm about to be on a wait list and I'm just, I need to start saying no to things. And that has me just jumping out of bed every day. Hmm. I love that. I love that. There's so much energy behind all of that. That just sounds so genuine. I feel like a lot of times when people share the good things about their life, it can feel like it's just what you're supposed to share. Like, I think when someone Mm. asks like, Oh, how are you? How are you doing? Like our instinct is to say like, good. And Oh, good. I'm fine. Everything's great. Um, But I love how you answered that. And it is that things are thriving, that things are life giving. Um, But it Mm -hmm. came from such a place of honesty and truth. And, and I can tell by the way you say it, that it hasn't always been that way. So I'd love to maybe if we could start there, you talk about how your family, I I love the idea of your family being each other's favorite humans and being in a place of health and thriving. Has your family always looked like that? Or what has your family looked like over the years? You know, it's ebbed and flowed so much like so our just to kind of rewind um, where I think would probably be a good place to just kind of start this part of our story. Is it our so our daughter Hadley was born without part of her brain um, back in 1998. What that ended up being was years of unimaginable, unbearable pain for kind of all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most especially for her. She wasn't suffering physically the entire time, but um, well, mm. that we were aware of. And definitely toward the end of her life, she was. So she was born into Holden's world. Our son Holden is now almost 27. And Hadley would be 23. Avery is mm. almost 21. And... So Hadley was born into Holden's life. So Holden's life changed dramatically when he was three years old. All of a sudden, we found ourselves in the midst of neurology appointments, physical therapy, occupational speech, you name it. We were there, 28 hospital stays. So that started what I kind of consider the trauma in our family. Mm -hmm. We both had some childhood trauma that we brought into our story. That's a whole nother episode. But our family unit trauma began really, I would say, then. So fast forward, lots, we were kind of hanging on through a lot of that stuff. Um, And then we, Holden was coming out as gay his, I think it was his freshman year of high school. And we were pretty conservative in our faith journey at the time. And so we were like, whoa, yeah, no, you can't be gay. I hate how we responded. And thankfully, he has a lot of grace and forgiveness for us. And we were willing to become educated and open our hearts toward him and his life. And so he's coming out three months later. Hadley dies unexpectedly. Pneumonia took her life in January of 2011. So we just had 11 years a couple weeks ago. She dies unexpectedly. Like Hadley always came home from the hospital. Always. And this time she did not. We took her in on a Tuesday she was dead on Friday. So two years later, Holden is addicted to drugs and alcohol. We don't know that exactly. Our marriage went in the shitter. I'm finding out, finding out more about my own personal childhood story. And it was just like, uncle, I'm out. Like, I don't want to die. I'm not suicidal. I just don't know if I can keep going. I used to always think that if you were depressed, you just get some sun on your face, like open up the blinds and get some sun on your face. You'll feel better until I realized that when you're depressed, you can't reach for the blinds. Mm-hmm. So that began a path. So we went to, after Hadley died, um, some girlfriends of mine, <clears throat> we went to Donald Miller's storyline conference that he used mm-hmm. to do at Point Loma back in the day. Yeah. And um, of course, Miles and Bill and Lori Loki were there and talked about onsite. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, that's like a dream. And naturally at the time went to the place of, oh, but I could never afford that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now when people say that, I'm like, oh, but can you <laughs> actually? <laughs> so yeah, can you afford not to a lot of times? That was the question I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. question. Right. Absolutely. It gives me the chills. So heard about on site. So then somewhere after finding out that Holden was doing drugs, we didn't know he was an addict. He went to the ranch near you all Mm -hmm. and left there kind of, we were all under the impression that he was more addicted to medicating pain more than he was addicted to the substance. And we were like, duh, who wouldn't be in our family? So sometime after he got back from the ranch, I think then we decided to send him on to um, CU Boulder to college where he had planned to go. And we're like, just you just have to raise your hand and ask us if you need help. Otherwise, we're going to trust you on your path. 
Meanwhile, I'm kind of still going underwater. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we got him at least okay, but I was not okay. Anxiety, yeah. depression. I was, I had, yeah, I had been in a phase of drinking a pretty decent amount of wine. A couple friends were kind of like, seems like that's not so social anymore. It's a little more than that. Um, yeah. So that I was becoming aware of what I was medicating mm-hmm. and um, reached out to onsite and ended up at Milestones finally with the mentality of I can't afford not to Mm -hmm. and um, my husband was 100% supportive and the kids were like yeah sure whatever that thing is that you're going to yeah so I went to milestones that was significant for me so then I go home we're still not everyone's not really doing great but I at least have some hope of healing and somewhere in all of that Holden comes home for break and he is not okay we did not know. We were, of course, assuming, of course, it's not drugs or alcohol because he's clean. Right. And he's just not an addict. He's addicted to medicating pain. So mm-hmm. he didn't want to see, didn't have the capacity yeah. to see. So mm-hmm. when I say we had no clue, there were signs all around us. We weren't willing or able to see them at the time. You don't know what you don't know. Right. We And we are t- so working on a new way to just trust him to come to us if he did need something. And he didn't, he, he didn't have the capacity to ask for the help either. So I called Megan at the time, was it on site? And just said, is this, do you think a 19 year old could come to Milestones? Like, is that a thing? And she was like, yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. he went to Milestones for 55 days. Mm-hmm. And then right before we were gonna go visit him for family weekend, he called me and said, guess what? I'm totally an alcoholic drug addict. And we're like, <laughs> you are? What? How, how do you know? What do you know? And he's like, I, I now know. I've been around enough people and their life experiences to know that yeah. that is part of my story. Um, hmm. So we're almost like relieved in one sense hmm. to be like, oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's what some of this has been. Yeah. And also super sad. Like, oh gosh, sure. that, that a lot of I things. Mean- and now what do we do? Like, um, Jim Tracy was like, that boy cannot go home. He needs to go yeah. straight to treatment. I'll help get him a bed. So we came for family weekend. Um, Jim role played with us. He's like, when you say this to him, he's going to say this and here's what you can say back. Mm-hmm. And that was a game yeah. changer. Parents need to know this game yeah. changer to role play how you're going to respond and, and to have somebody wise and educated to know what what to tell you can expect from your child. Like he said, if you say, yes, you can come home, he's probably going to say, can I come get my things? And you're going to say, no. Can I just come home and take a shower? I just want to be in my own shower. No. If they come home, they probably won't go to treatment. Mm. So we said no. I thought it was going to take me over. Yeah. Um, I was the one that kind of sat down to tell him that he had the option to either go to treatment or find his own way. Yeah. So he started treatment then in California. So when he got home from, well, when he landed there, he said to my husband, dad, you would love Living Centered Program because Holden got to go with the Living Centered Program while he was at Milestones. Yeah. That was, I don't know if they still do that, but that was great for him. So he went to Living Centered, said, dad, you'd love it. My husband, Aaron, went to Living Centered the next chance that was available, came home saying, Leith, you would love it. Mm. Um, so I went to living center. Amazing. Also just one by one. I still had some work that was trying to make its way out that, um, did more attention. So I did healing trauma. Yeah. And then, um, the Hueys and milestones mile or not milestones, but miles and onsite, whoever created the life after loss for parents. And so I attended that and just every time I would come home, I could, I could stand a little taller Mm. breathe a little deeper, live a little better. We found ourselves, all of us, Holden's getting sober. Our marriage is coming back intact. Yeah. We realized we had less of a marriage problem and more some just individual shit that needed Mm. to get sorted out. Mm -hmm. And we also then could work on our marriage. But now we all had this language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tool belts. And so we kind of have like a no bullshit zone around here. We kind of can't get away with a lot because we mm, all know yeah. too much now from the, the things that we've learned through onsite specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's kind of the big overview. 
this is probably the second or third time that I've heard that chunk of your story. And I continue to get struck by how much bravery and grit that I think your family just carries. Like when I think of the most resilient people, it's the people, you know, like there's just so much resiliency over your family and the choice to say we are going to contend for better and it's going to look ugly probably before it looks better. And Mm -hmm. so I just am in awe of your family and I'm in awe of kind of the way that you held and carried both your family and yourself in those seasons. And so Mm -hmm. what does that look like? For any of us walking through something hard and then also being in relationship with other people, how do you balance what I would make up is your own grief. And you shared some of that, like some of your own mental health struggles and grieving the loss of your role as your daughter's caretaker and then caring for Holden and feeling like you wanted to show up for him. But then in the middle of all that showing up for yourself, what did, how did you do that well? Mm, I don't know if I did. Mm -hmm. I mean, the very first thing I think of is just that I did get to a place where I feel like I was almost in a corner of, I have got to put my own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. That's good. I I got nothing. I've got Mm -hmm. nothing in the tank. And so I, I began to create space for that, even if it meant other things, you know, like some friendships changed in that season because Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, and we didn't as a family have capacity to be engaged and involved with some of our dearest friends at mm-hmm. the time we were just on a mission to get well. And yeah. so I think, I mean, my initial thought is just, it was this thing of making space for mm-hmm. it and financially, emotionally, we were kind of like, okay, we might need to say no to a few things because we need to spend more time at onsite. Somebody else yeah. needs to go back. Like, um, and our trauma therapist, Dr. Dale, amazing human in Castle Rock does, um, thought field therapy we were just like we got to clear our schedules for him and our finances for to continue to do work there so I don't, does that answer kind of what you're asking yeah I think we don't often think about the cost outside of just the cost of getting healthy like oh we know that there's a financial cost to that but what you're saying is there's a relational cost that we mm-hmm. had to step away from friendships we had to say we don't have the capacity I think I think I've even experienced that in the last couple of years like being in COVID like my emotional capacity is not there and so I can't even imagine walking through your family's walking through and saying okay we don't have the cost of this is maybe going to be relational it's going to be financial mm-hmm. it's going to be you know, like at the cost of doing the things that we want to be doing as a family, but having such a long-term view of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think even just as you were sharing at the very beginning, saying my I didn't know my family could look like this. I think there are so many of us in the midst of family's complicated and it's hard. And especially when everyone's kind of wrangling with their own trauma and their own grief, who don't have that hope for it could be better when everyone's committed to to making it better. So I'm just really grateful mm-hmm. for you sharing and mm-hmm. being realistic about the cost of that. Mm-hmm. And I would add that we found in some friendships and even within our family in some ways, um, our extended family, that it, it was disrupting the system. Like, um, I can only imagine, my perception is that we were, we were difficult friends to have on and family to have on some level because our needs were beyond what anyone could help us with, whether they were practical needs with Hadley or rides for kids or whatever it might be. And then we begin to get well and we're different and we don't need in the same way. And all of a sudden our eyes are being open to things. And I feel like it almost became disruptive to the system of what was, what was working in the friendships and, relationships wasn't really working anymore because we had changed dramatically. And in the middle of that, I don't think I said this part, but in the middle of all that, probably two or three years after I had gone to Milestones, we decided to reboot our lives and sell our house, sell everything that we owned and start fresh. And that freaked some of our friends out. They're like, you guys are not in a great space. So you think this is a good idea, which they should have thought that. And we just knew that that house <laughs> held too much pain and yeah. the carpet had too much pain yeah. and the curtains had too much pain in them. And we knew we needed to do that. And I can see why it was concerning. It looked friends, drastic. Yeah. It looked drastic. Yeah. But our, then I would say in our wellness, 
I feel like something was disruptive to others about that. And that just might be my perception, but it seemed like that, that, that was a thing. Leith, I have not heard most of your story and I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you and also just to slow it down. I think you just yeah. shared so much and I can tell that you share it often. Um, I can tell by the line of work that you do that you've done so much of your own healing work that you can use it. You're, you're at a place where you can share it to help other people find hope and healing as well. But I just want to also take a moment to say like that is a lot of life in a 10 minute period that you just shared. And that is a lot of grief and a lot of sorrow, and a lot of hope. Like, it's a lot of a lot um, for you, for Hadley, for Holden, for your husband, for your other daughter. And just um, thank you for being open and willing to share that. And we all have so much to learn from it. So thank you so much. I'm wondering if you could speak to, I, I love that you said, like, your kind of idea around depression was that you didn't recognize it as depression necessarily in yourself because you thought like, Oh, just go get some sunshine or you can fix it or whatnot. And I love that metaphor that you used of like people who are depressed don't can't reach for the blind to turn on the light. Look, looking at you now and hearing you, even as we asked, like what's giving you joy today, I can see there's so much joy in you um, and so much life in you. What helped you be able to reach for the blinds again? What tools or resources? I know you've spent so much time doing your own healing work, but what made you be able to do that again? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, For a while, medication was really helpful. I had avoided it and resisted it so Mm -hmm. much. My pride did not want to go down that path. That helped me. It helped me to have people, community, supporting me, loving me, right where I was and also not really willing to let me keep staying there. Like our friends that brought it to our, you know, to Aaron's attention that I was drinking a lot. And I literally, we were kind of clueless. Like I, I, I didn't know that's what I was doing until it was when the good box wine kind of first came out. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, you can't see how much you're drinking. And all of a sudden I felt great. Mm. So um, having loving people around us who were also willing to risk and speak up and say, this is what I see. So I think community, I think meds also just, you know, for me, I have a a faith background in God and today that looks all kinds of ways. I love the terms higher power and universe and all the things. I love Jesus personally. And I'm, I I love that there's so many ways that people describe the God that they call it their higher power. And for me, there's definitely something of, I, I had hope somewhere, somehow, when it felt like the sun was never going to come up, I'd be like, but the sun actually does come up every single day. Yeah. So hope had a thing for me. My kids definitely kept me going. Part of it, I, I didn't have, well, I guess I could have had the option. I could have ended it all. And it felt like I didn't have an option, but to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, two degree shifts that I learned at onsite, which I is now I have t-shirts and all the things with it on it. Because for me, that was it. It felt, it felt too big to be, to try to go to this. Like yeah. if, if I was trying to get where I am today, I, it would have been too big, but I was just mm-hmm. like, okay, today, here's what I can do today. Here's what I can do. One more step, tiny step. And all of a sudden I look now and I go, oh my gosh, that was about seven ish years ago. Wow. Yeah. What a lot of steps I took mm-hmm. to get right here. Hey, y'all, if you're listening to this episode, you probably feel like there is not a single in-person experience that the McHugh family has not taken part in. We kind of joked with them that they have done everything Onsite has to offer, including a stay at our residential trauma program, Milestones. So if you've been listening for a while, you may be wondering, what is Milestones? So I just wanted to give you a little bit more information. It is our holistic and specialized residential trauma treatment experience located on our 250-acre campus in Tennessee. It really is a -a one-of-a-kind experience. What we like to say at Onsite is that no one escapes adversity. We say that a lot on this podcast. Yet, as Leith shares, some of us have had to endure more than our fair share of pain, hardship, and struggle. And sometimes the pain of our past builds up so much to the point where it interferes with the demands of our present and our everyday. When life feels like too much, Milestones and Onsite offers a refuge and a place of healing. We serve individuals adversely affected by symptoms of unaddressed trauma, including anxiety, depression, codependency, and PTSD. 
Milestone's innovative and integrative program is customized to meet each person's individual needs. The team at Milestones has supported hundreds of people to address the roots of trauma and create a plan to move forward into the life they want to live. And that team is just so incredible. If you think you or someone you love could benefit from the innovative and individualized care at Milestones, our team would love to connect with you on a confidential call to discuss your options at 800-341-7432. I love that piece that it has taken a lot of steps. I think people want, I want it to be like a one switch thing that just medication will work or just Mm -hmm. even, even going to a thing such as onsite doing a workshop. I've I've done a workshop and it was completely life changing for me and I've had to keep doing work and I will continue to have to do work for the rest of my life. And I love Mm -hmm. that piece about you that you say you keep finding reasons to send somebody back to onsite in your family, like which one of us gets to go now or which program and I know that can feel maybe for, for anyone that might be listening and thinking like, well, that feels unnecessary or is it not working the first time? Um, I think the more you do work in yourself, the more you mm-hmm. uncover. And so there is no cap to understanding ourselves. There's no cap to healing. Um, I think sometimes when we turn the light on, we find more than we can look at. We say like, whoa, mm-hmm. I can't look at all of that quite yet. Um, but mm-hmm. I can look at this piece right now and I can tend to this piece. Um, and I imagine maybe that's what some of your onsite journey has felt like. Maybe mm-hmm. milestones turned the light on for you. But then you had to kind of find different pathways to look at different pieces. Even with the loss of your daughter, having to look at that piece for a certain amount of time through a program, mm-hmm. having to come back and look at a different piece. Can you speak to that and maybe the elongation of how Emotional health is kind of this ever ongoing journey for you. Yes. Ooh, that's so good. Um, yes. I think that once I got a taste of healing that was available, I just wanted more. And, you know, I, I tell my friends that are thinking about onsite or clients or anyone that's considering it or has already been, I'm like, uh, I don't want it to be a discouragement that I've been so many times. I hope it is yeah. an invitation to, for me, there was just more that needed unpacking. In addition to that, I had recurring traumas that were happening. Hmm. So I dealt with some things at milestones and then came home to more trauma. Yeah. And then we went to living centered and came home to new trauma. So for me, I just kept being re-traumatized in some senses. It's, I tell that to people who go see my our trauma therapist too. He likes to get you in and out in about eight to 12 sessions. And I had to go for a long time because I kept having re-injury. So that's part of that. Yeah. I think the other yeah. thing is that when I first began this kind of path to wellness and healing, I was desperate. I was like at the end of what I, to me, what felt like the end. Once I tasted it, experienced it, received it, began practicing it, then I was like, I I just want more. So there's always going to be more. We're just, we're human. So even if I have patched up and dealt with and whatever I've done with all the things, there's, there's just more that could need attention. Mm -hmm. Not ever need attention and it might. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm just open to if something new makes its way to the surface, then I want more, you know? I like how you referred even to, I went back home and was continuing to be like re-injured. We often call trauma like a wound. And I think when we define it that way, it makes it so much more approachable. And I also think for me, when I define it that way, it gives me the permission to care for it because of course I would care for a wound. When a trauma feels so big and scary and, you know, out there, I think that definition is just so normalizing. If we don't tend to something, it's going to get infected. And so I think even just hearing you say that, like, of course, of course, you continued to do the work because you were in the middle of the process. Like you were bandaging things up while you were still on the battlefield. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the image that I was that I was picturing mm-hmm. as you were doing that. Mm-hmm. But then how you continue to do the work and you referred to like the practice of it. So what were some of the practices that you now feel like have been um, integral in that journey for you, that trauma recovery journey? Mm. I mean, sounds could sound a little boring, but it's the basic self-care. Mm. And self-care in um, so many different ways. There's a beautiful piece. Um, 
I wish I had a copy right here. Brianna Weist, I think is how she pronounces it, but she wrote something. I call it self-care unbeautiful because that's one of the lines in it, but it didn't have a title. Um, but she talks about how self-care is building a life you don't need to regularly escape from. Hmm. And self-care is parenting yourself and making choices for long-term wellness. And so to me, I began living in such a way. So whether that's my morning routines that I meditate and stretch and just give my, I literally, it says in my calendar, wake up and go slow, grab your coffee. And then I know what that means. And mm. that I, I, I put space in my calendar to do mm. that in the morning so that I'm tending to myself before I start anything else. And that wasn't born overnight. That was, now I know it's a way I live. It, it took a while to get to living that way. Well, and I would imagine your life, there was a season of your life that it probably didn't, was not possible with Hadley, right? To have that mm -hmm. type of care for yourself in that pace of life. Um, and so was it kind of uncomfortable walking into that and realizing and kind of navigating how to do that? Did it feel yes. like you were wearing ill-fitting clothes? That's what I would imagine. Yes, super awkward. It felt clumsy. Mm -hmm. And then for me personally, having littles, you know, I had three, five and under when Hadley was born or when Avery was born and the girls were like having twins because nobody could hold a bottle, um, diapers, car seats, all the things. And so there was nothing during, I mean, I'd get up at 4.30 a.m. just to have a minute to myself. Um, so then when all of a sudden kids don't need as much and then Hadley's not in the picture, I, I kind of didn't know what to do with myself. It was kind of like tapping the vein, like. In fact, Aaron and I revisited in our marriage, like, who are we as a married couple when we're not hunkered arms plowing the field to stay alive mm. and keep everybody alive? Like, we don't really know what to do without crisis, chaos, and trauma. So I had to figure yeah. myself out without so much crisis, chaos, and trauma in the picture. We figured our marriage without so much of that in the picture. Um, and it was clumsy and awkward. I'm really glad you said that. I think... We talk a lot about medicators um, or things that kind of keep us alive in those times. And I think even the keeping other people alive, the helping, the fixing, the caretaking mm -hmm. can become that for us because it's the roles we know how to navigate. And when we mm -hmm. no longer are needed in that role or that role is no longer serving us and the people that we're in community with, it feels terrifying <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to step out of that, to surrender it, to say like, who am I outside of this? And how do I function healthily? Because it's easy to just function inside of that. Were there any narratives you had to unpack or dismantle around maybe, yeah, around that, around caretaking or around doing your own work? I, I imagine as someone who held all of these roles for your family um, and then someone who's become such an advocate for self-practice and self-care, what narratives did you have to unravel there in order to get where you are today? Mm, such good questions. Definitely. Um, oh, I don't, I don't need all that or, you know, kind of, um, in the, under the umbrella of like, that's too expensive. That's too much. I'll just take a little of that instead of now I get massages monthly, regularly. I, spend more on a really good drink or really good food because I'm worth it. I'm, this feels like self-care, like just loving on myself and being extravagant yeah. with myself, not just financially, mm -hmm. but whether it was mm -hmm. the time or, um, and that felt so awkward. It was like, I would look at my clock like, oh, certainly I got back for something and not apologizing for that space that I was taking yeah. up. Um, one of my stickers says take up space. Oh, here's one. Um, so I love, and I, I love just the idea of, um, I think it's called five pointed star in yoga where you're just like as big as you can get. Yeah. And so just yeah. not apologizing that I, I kind of need a lot right now, period. Mm -hmm. Um, and not, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Or, well, I, I won't take so much or, but I, yeah, it is not an option. In fact, our family lives in such a way where we have, we have a lot of boundaries in a, a sense, but also just it allows space for us to do good self-care. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, Holden has his meditation routine in the morning that sometimes takes a couple hours. So we know that if we're trying to do something as a family, we might work it around his meditation schedule if we can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's important self-care to him. He's going to show up better if he has his thing in the morning. And, you know, Aaron needs to take a run and I need my little time and coffee and all the things. And 
Avery just wants to come be with all of us. Um, <laughs> she loves the people. And, um, she's adorable. Yeah, I love how you you highlight and um, invite us into those that this type of living is a practice. It's a practice that not, I can see that not only you are benefiting from that, but your family Mm -hmm. is benefiting from that. And even looking at your family system is really beautiful to say like, that's actually worth the sacrifice. I mean, that's incredibly Mm -hmm. unselfish to say, like it's worth the sacrifice for Holden to, to do what he needs to do to show up well today. Mm -hmm. So our family is, we're not going to do something in the morning. We're going to do something afterwards to honor that is really Mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, But tying it back to what you said, before about like continuing to do your own work and that you were entering, you came back home to new traumas. I think that's why these practices are so important because like life does, isn't easy for you. I'm sure right now, yeah. like life doesn't stop getting hard. Like you will mm-hmm. continue to face hardships. I'm sure your family will navigate um, more pain or loss or unexpected natures. Like that's just the nature of life is we're all going to continue to face adversity. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so important to continue to do your own work, to continue to do your own practices, because once you start it, life doesn't get easier, but you become so much more resilient and you become mm-hmm. so much more equipped to keep showing up in that work. And that's what I love what we do at Onsite. It's, it's not like you come into your work and then you have a happy life, um, but you have the tools and resources you need to stay grounded, to navigate that um, adversity. And, and that's what we're really equ- equipping people to, to do is to feel more equipped to navigate the challenges yeah. that life is going to throw at us because it's not going to stop necessarily. Well, that totally reminds me of this morning, Aaron and I got into a discussion <clears throat> and we were, we were on a time crunch because we were meeting um, some friends that some friends were trying to introduce us to. And we committed to this time. We didn't want to cancel. And I'm kind of looking at the clock. I'm like, we got to land this plane and yet we need to get through this thing. Yeah. And I realized that it, it got, it, it was escalating. And then we are, we use our tools that we both know what to do with. And we were able to land the plane and like, are we ready to move forward? Yeah. Pretty quickly and easily and not mm. painfully. It's not always that way. And I literally, you know, I stepped out afterward and was like, wow, good on us that we are, at a place where we can do that. We can both, we've got a lot to say. Yeah. And we could do that. And then, but because we were resilient and because we knew how to handle it, yeah, we could do it. And it it worked out okay. And what a gift for your whole family to understand those tools. And which is why I think, again, like, I think so often we can see somebody in our family that's hurting and we think like they need to do the work. Like let's give the resources to them. And like, yes, they do. Holden needed help. Um, He needed uh, a place to come and heal. Um, But you did too. And so did your husband. Mm -hmm. And by all of you engaging in this, you can come continue to be a part of his healing journey and he could be a part of yours. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what's magical about participating in something like onsite is I've done a living center program. You both have done a living center program. And now we have the same language. We have the same tools. Yeah. We can we can support each other in a way that promotes mm-hmm. health and growth for all of us. And so doing your own work is so instrumental in having healthy relationships with others. But having a community yeah. of people that have also done that work and tools um, really does change the dynamic. Yes. And that makes me think of something which is um, so, it, it cracks us up and it's, it's hilarious, is... So Avery is the only one that hasn't been to onsite as a participant. She has gone mm-hmm. for family weekend and um, stuff like that. But so part of it, she'll just say, you know, I'm the healthiest one in this family. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, right. okay. actually, sure. she's totally right. She's the most grounded, solid human I've ever she encountered. Right. Every time I say that, I'm like, is that true? Yeah, it's true. Still. But she had called me out. She called both of us out recently. But then a, a week ago, she called me out. And basically the theme is, can we just be a family? Do we have to be all professional about everything? Because in our attempts for wellness and doing healthy relationship, we're a very boundary family. We speak verbiage that is, it's our tools. Yeah, sure. And also her experience is like, can we just be a freaking family? Like, does it all have to be like that? Sure. So and yeah. We're just like, good point. Like, sorry, you you have two parents who are in the coaching consulting space. Because yeah. that, that's yeah, a bummer that for you. Yourself. It's what we do. But also, yeah, can we just not be so boundaried and... You know, I know when Aaron and I were first practicing this, so I, I'm saying this so that anyone listening that might be experiencing something like this, 
is that when we were first practicing this, we kind of both came home from our onsite experiences and be like, well, what are you having for dinner tonight? I don't know. What are you having? Sure. Mm-hmm. Because we were like, we don't have, we're, we're unenmeshing. We don't have to be all codependent and weird. Okay. Well, that was a little harsh. Those were yeah. some great boundaries we were doing, but we are finding ourselves coming closer and closer. Like a pendulum. Yes. Yes. And it just doesn't have to be so rigid. And also we can speak our needs in the midst of it. But that's been kind of the latest thing is like, can we just, do we have to do it all? Yeah. I love that. I love that you guys have the environment that she feels like she could say that. I think that is a testament to doing the work, even if it could be annoying for her. Like, I get it. Like, I totally, if I'm talking to a person who's done a Living Center program or something like that, I might use language that is something I picked up there or learned there. And that's beautiful. But also, just make it real life. Translate it to something that's going to make sense for y'all. And so I love that she asked for that and that y'all could (laughs) say, like, yeah, we can, and let's work on that, even if it's a little clumsy yes. or awkward. Yeah. Yes, which has then sparked conversation between the two of us, because currently everybody's gone. Avery is in L.A. She's studying film there, and Holden is in transition, but he's going to Barcelona for a few months. He's actually visiting her right now, so no one's home right now, which we're, we have these little blips of empty nesting, which yeah. then gives us a lot of space. And we it, at least twice this week we've talked about that feels a little professional that feels a little transactional. Yeah. And we realize this pattern that we've kind of gotten into that's wellness. It's wellness. And it's a little, it's a little much. And so, and we're also like, oh, let's just find our way back to some middle ground that's still well and not yeah. codependent and enmeshed. But also human. And is human. That that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. That's what I was feeling like like wellness, bring humanity back into wellness because I know even in my own life, like I'm married to someone who has a master's in marriage and family therapy. Like there are things and I work in the mental health space, like it's a lot to know something and then to actually live it in your heart and go to that. And it makes sense that you pendulum, right? You are in a lot of unhealth and let's go as far away from that as we can. But mm-hmm. I love the permission in that. One of my favorite things is that the most beautiful thing about boundaries is that they can change. Yeah. That they can shift over time, that they can change. And maybe you're realizing like, hey, we're in a healthy place and we can renegotiate what these boundaries look like or even how we live them out differently. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I think anyone listening today who has been on that journey has probably been in some part of that pendulum. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want to go as far away from what you were to change that. And I think we're always trying to find the middle. We're trying to find the balance. Mm-hmm. And I love that. As we kind of wrap up this interview when you were talking earlier about not apologizing for taking up space like the image you gave was the yoga pose where you're you know five stars all over I thought about the very beginning of this you talked about there were friends who didn't realize this or we didn't have the capacity and you also said it's okay that I have needs it's okay that in this season I Mm -hmm. have a lot of needs you were just kind of like I know that that's Mm -hmm. I can hear from you that that's work you've done and that's work that you feel really grounded in. And I thought, what a gift because you showed your family how you like went first in that, I'm imagining. Um, And you gave your family that really beautiful gift to say, it's okay that we need things right now because what's most important is that we get our family healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly how we function as individuals, as family units, as larger, you know, systemic things that we think the best way to heal the world is to start with yourself. And so the Mm -hmm. best way to heal your family is to start with you. I also know that you have taken that one step farther and anyone that comes into contact with you uh, feels that health because you can give and pour out more easily, but you've also created safe spaces for people to come and for them to do this work as well. So you're continuing that work. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how getting you healthy for yourself, helping your family get healthy has then led you to a place where you can invite other people into that healing journey and come alongside them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I literally like could come out of my seat thinking about <laughs> what gets to happen as I just watched stuff happening this weekend at my retreat in these vintage restored, pulled vintage restored Airstream trailers that are amazing. Each woman gets her own trailer and then we so come fun. together for a session in my trailer. So they're super small, but the invitation, because I've been in it, so I didn't only, actually, I, I didn't get certified as a coach. Um, so I didn't get book knowledge. I had life experience. Well, I think there's a, a beautiful place for the book knowledge as well. 
I think the unique thing that I offer is that I've, I've been in the trenches. I lived yeah. there and I did some things that got me here and I'm still doing those things. So I'm doing things along with my clients. I'm still setting intentions. Yeah. I'm still practicing self-care. I'm still practicing forgiveness and boundaries and looking at my story and all the things. And so, um, you know, the biggest thing that I tell my clients when they start with me is, yes, I hope this is a life-changing program or event or retreat or whatever it might be. And I would love for you to not just feel like you walk away and go, that, that was cute. I think that was probably worth the money and the time. Right. But no, that actually started a shift for me. Even if it yeah. was this big, even if it was two degrees, it started a shift where I began to live different, which is another one of my little, oh, yeah, I kind of have them everywhere, little stickers. Live different because once we start, we get the awareness we get some tools, we get some education, and then we begin to take our little two degree steps and they start moving things. And I have, I receive the most beautiful texts, emails or whatever of here's what I'm doing now because mm. of what we did together. And that to me is like, there's no, there's nothing else I ever want to do ever except for continue to invite predominantly women. My son was my first and so far only male client, but I'm not opposed to seeing males, but I get, I get a chance to invite women into doing something different than what they're doing. If their life yeah. is working great, let's, let's even improve that. If their life isn't great and they're stuck, I, I can support you in that. So ah, I love it so mm. much. I love that. And I love, just how you shared, like, it's coming from my own experience and how I'm continuing to practice it. And I think mm -hmm. it just speaks to what I know is true, is that we're never done with the work, that the self-exploration that this work invites us into is a never-ending mm -hmm. adventure. And I love that reframe better than work because it, it really is an adventure. And I think the farther I get into it, the more... Like Hannah was saying, the more you realize, oh, there's more to there's more to uncover here. Like it just becomes more expansive. And mm -hmm. I I think every single human is unfathomable. Like that's my favorite word, is that you are unfathomable and you can continue to explore for the rest of your life and still uncover the little nuances of you. And so mm -hmm. I love the invitation to that as an adventure too, because I think it can be so intimidating. Mm -hmm. Like and mm -hmm. I love I love that we you even mentioned like if your life is great great, let's see where we can make it even better. Because I think like the more work that we do, like it can sound scary, but it also can be so fun, like getting to know parts of ourselves, becoming acquainted with that little child inside of us. Even I was in therapy the other day, and I bawled my eyes out. And also afterwards, I felt like proud, and I felt happy. And I felt like I'm so glad I met that piece of me. And like, now I get now I get to know that part doesn't have to live in the shadows anymore. And so I think therapy and therapeutic work and wellness work can sound so scary. But I think you've also showed us that there is so much joy to be found in it. And there is life on the other side of it and continuing to build a grander, more connected, um, more vibrant life, um, just by keeping showing up and doing that. And yeah, embracing all every every aspect of it, the whole spectrum of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. And I do believe it is available to everybody. It's mm -hmm. in different ways, in different forms. I mean, you know, financially, I know maybe on-site's not available to everyone. And I believe there's something out there for each person, whatever yeah. that looks like, whatever shape and size that is. Um, healing is available to all of us if we're ready to take it. And it's scary to make those first steps. So I get it. I have some clients that, you know, they're just not quite ready. They're not quite ready to do the whole thing yet. They can, they can do a little... And that's great. And I don't want to invite them to go too far, but, um, but I do think it's available to us yeah. if we, if we want it. And I totally forgot to mention that, and especially for any listeners on here that I do have a um, monthly zoom call for moms who have lost children. It's called left of center because that's the location of the human heart. Mm. And there we have uh, mamas from all over the United States and Canada so far. And we, it's a, just a place to get real about our grief the moms have lost infant or older. Um, some have lost several children. And we get to talk about things that are uncomfortable to talk around our friends and family who haven't yeah. experienced the loss of a child. And so that's something else that I love to offer. And I can't believe I get to be a part of that. Um, so that's just another thing I forgot about. Mm, what a beautiful offering to create that safe space for people. I think um, 
I love how you said we get to say things that we're not allowed to say normally because there's that shared language piece, right? There's that shared experience and you don't get it until you get it. And I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful that you have pursued healing in a way that you can then create space for other people to have that. Like, I think it's just so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you're so honoring Hadley's memory in that way and creating space for other people to to say the unsaid. We believe that that's important. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Leith, as we kind of end, I love that you said that this healing is available for everyone. Um, and we believe that at OnSite, which is part of the reason that we continue to, to put things like this out. It's the reason we are focusing on creating digital assets and resources and classes and courses for people to, to do this. And, and what I hope that anyone walks away with today is that you are worth it. You are worth the work. And I also love that you shared that community was a huge piece of your journey as much as a lot of, you know, the deep therapeutic trauma work, just having people in your life who are willing to come alongside you. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up, what would be your hope for people who are listening today? Would you leave us with a hope? Mm. My hope is that... Probably the biggest thing, because I got a lot of them, but we'll stick to one, which is the reminder that the sun, the sun will always come up and your sun will always come up. Might take a while, might take what feels like longer than normal, um, but it does come up eventually, even in the unthinkable, the unimaginable. You know, when I was found myself in fetal position, trying to pick up the phone to call on site because Mm -hmm. I had a gay kid, dead kid, addicted kid, special needs kid. Like I had suffered all that as a mom. And I like, I, I, I can't keep going. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see the sun coming up. And then all of a sudden there was a, there was a, a little teeny peak through the darkness. Mm-hmm. And there was like a little bit of light. And then the sun, now I feel like it's like blazing all over our house. Mm-hmm. All over our house. Um, so it, it will come up. It, it, it does eventually. Um, So I think that's kind of my final Mm. thoughts. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you for listening today and for committing valuable time to share space with these powerful stories. Make sure you hit subscribe to get all of our inspiring conversations with these incredible people delivered directly to you. And if you found this conversation particularly impactful, consider supporting the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. When our emotional health is suffering, many of us begin to feel alone and overwhelmed. If you're in that place right now, we deeply encourage you to ask for help. If OnSite can support you in connecting the dots with one of our programs or other offerings, our admissions team would love to connect with you. Simply call 1-800-341-7432 or visit onsiteworkshops.com.